Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Afternoon, everybody. Let's uh, start off thinking. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. My buddy Mark Twain, buy land. They're not making any more of it. I agree with that 100%. A person who won't read has no advantage over one who can't read. I have used that line with my children quite a bit. And then finally, uh, and this came home to me this week, uh, life is a series of cycles. Births, weddings, and funerals. Births, weddings, and funerals. Well, we had a kind of a rough week uh, last week in the markets, and uh, that happens from time to time. And uh, but first, let's talk about uh, you know our web page. If you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM and go to the local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, uh, you can go directly to my web page, and there's all sorts of good stuff on there. Under the Insight tab at, at the top. Uh, we constantly change the research. We constantly change the research. And then on our bulletin board, Rob Schleimer, who may be one of the best technicians on the planet, is uh, under bulletin board. It's, it's trend and cycle, and he calls it roadmap. And uh, some really good stuff there. You can also get our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our best ideas, uh, small cap, large cap, whatever it may be. Uh, take it from there. You know, um, by the way, it's a live show, so if you've got a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. And I just want to make mention, you know, we had a guy on a couple weeks ago, and if you go to our podcast on uh, April 9th, uh, Dane Topich, who is uh, a, a excellent retirement specialist, what he does is he puts a retirement plan together for small businesses. And believe me, he's done some great work saving people, letting people put more money away before the government grabs it, okay? So, you know, do you make more money on $300,000 uh, if 100 of it is hidden from the government for a while? Absolutely, okay? So uh, if you'd like more information, you know, if you can listen to the podcast. It's a half an hour. He has some examples. Uh, we work with those folks uh, pretty closely, and, uh, you know, he gets – he sets up simple IRAs, 401ks, you know, that type of thing for you, all you people who own small businesses. Uh, it's, it's a money – you can save a lot of money that way. Uh, you know, if you're not getting taxed on money and you're letting it grow, you're going to go a lot farther than having to tax first and then letting it grow. Believe me on that one. So Lori Calvacina, uh, our head strategist, finally lowered her uh, S&P target to 4,800 from 5,000. 
And uh, that's a cut of about 3.7% uh, after Friday. What a surprise, huh? Um, so our upside ta- target uh, is the average of 13 different scenarios that she examined. So it's kind of, you know, she's trying trying to look at all avenues. Look, there's been a lot of times when the market has started off the year down, all right, and uh, then rebounded, okay? So there's been very few uh, down years in the stock market overall, okay? There's been some years that we started off bad or we had bad things going on only to recoup and move on. Uh, Now, one of the things that did make me worry a little bit is that, you know, the Fed's talking about this half point uh, move. And I was listening to Tom Porcelli this week, and he was a little bit, you know, worried about growth. And he talked, you know, his headline on what we call our daily deck, which is where he talks about the economy, said negative quarter, quarter one growth. This was two days before it came out, and he was right. We had negative growth in the economy. So, here we have a lot of inflation, and I think that was due to some of the policies that came out of Washington, D.C., uh, throwing money out the window, um, and and no economic growth. Can you spell stagflation? You know, and uh, that's a problem. So I, I think uh, there's, there's a couple things. Um, if the Fed and the ECB are fighting inflation, how – Many hawks see this as the only path for the for the Fed is to crash the economy, okay? But there's some reasons why you don't have to. You know, the markets uh, sell up on Monday and then on Friday. Historically, these are sell-throughs. We, took, we went to a new low Friday, okay? So we broke the January low. Uh, we got the core PCE, or the, what, the, what they call the Fed preferred inflation, and it showed inflation apexing. That's good. Uh, the stock buyback window reopens on 429, and that means a $1 trillion, uh, in annual stock back, buybacks are going to show up there. That's good, too. And uh, J.P. Morgan's fixed income team believes the bond market is near max hawkishness. That's good, too. Bang is 25% of the, the, the S&P market cap and, and is showing some signs of the typical value stocks, you know, like Facebook Friday, rallied. On, you know, uh, it, it was better than the worst case scenario, and Microsoft did too. So uh, Texas Instruments did too. So we're having, some, we're seeing some things where, uh, you know, we might be at ultimate, you know, lookout below type of snare. Now, the cash freight index, which is, you know, since basically 1990, and it, you can go back actually to 1982. Uh, it, you know, it's been around, and what it does is shows the amount of freight. You know that's being hired, and when it it it, it was up at eight percent, it's now negative, and it's getting, well, actually, yeah, it's just barely negative, but it's negative. So that's something uh, you know uh, that leads inflation ahead of time by about six months. Now, uh, look, one of the things that we have talked about at RBC is that when you hit peak inflation, the next twelve months are usually really, really good. I mean, you know, like 25, 30% gains. So that's why we have to uh, be paying attention because, look, things are so bad. You know, markets can can bottom on bad news, all right? And if you look at the American Association of Individual Investors, wow. You know, uh, Tom Lee did this thing about uh, Nick Cage, and he said, 
you know, some of his earliest movies had a big influence on his life, but he said they, he was great. Some, but he also made some of the worst movies. He made one of the worst science fiction movies of all time. I'll leave that to your imagination. But, you know, look, GDP print was one, negative 1.4. It was below the consensus of one. I mean, it's a weaker economy. So the Fed's work has been done by the bond market, okay? The Retail American Association of Individual Investors sentiment came in at minus 43. That's the sixth worst since 1987. And by the way, it's the third worst since 2002, okay? So look, even in 2010 and 11 and 15, you know, when we're having some corrections, we didn't get down this far. We get down to minus 30. So minus 43 is pretty bad. That's a big-time contrary uh, buy signal. And, you know, we said this a couple weeks ago, and it keeps going down, which is uh, we'll see what happens what it is this week, but it's, you know, whatever. The NASDAQ underperformed the S&P 500 by 11% last month. That's a lot. And, uh, you know, Facebook reported weakening first quarter sales, but the stock rallies plus 20%. I think, you know, People are so pessimistic. It, it's so bad. It might be good. All right. So I know that sounds crazy, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not there yet. Now, look, with all this, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer thought we might have a reverse head and shoulders. We did not. Uh, so if you look at the long term chart, we're very close to a head and shoulders. All right. Top. So we got to be careful. I think, you know, the, uh, you know, our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the bullish percent, has talked about the cash bogey and the cash bogey, you know, cash right now uh, should be a higher percentage of your portfolio. All right. So look, the stock market has been thrown into another funk. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is, is that if you have the normal 60, 40 portfolio, you're doing worse than bonds. You know, bonds are down 14 and a half percent this year. All right. You know, the average bond funds get whacked. So, the 60-40 portfolio doesn't look so good, and I don't know about the 40% being in bonds because if the Fed's doing what they, we think they're going to do, it could be a problem. So equity markets have basically resumed their downtrend. And, uh, you know, the S&P's fallen 7.7%, but the NASDAQ, you know, declined almost 12% in April. All right? Uh, I think, you know, I can't, I can't say I... You know, April's normally a really good month for the stock market, right? It's go away in May. Maybe it's come back in May and stay for another day. But uh, the the potential for for further deacceleration in economic growth is out there, and it stems from the renewed COVID-19 lockdowns in China. I find it interesting that China, you know, one of the things that happened in Tiananmen Square was food prices went up a lot. Uh, And they they just locked down because food prices were going up, you know, right through the roof in, in China in the last month, and suddenly there's a lockdown. So if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, that might be something to think about. But uh, with the Fed being as aggressive, uh, their talk is aggressive, uh, it's a little bit scary out there. So I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, look, we talked about this barbell approach, and the bar should be your dividend growth stock. They're holding up for now, Okay. Uh, a lot of my dividend growth stocks are pretty close to new highs. Your real high-quality names. Then you should have value names on the right-hand side. Uh, you know, I have a lot of Berkshire Hathaway, uh, although J.P. Morgan got beat up. 
you know, those the value names have been holding up to a degree. And then some growth names. And I think, you know, if you have extra cash, growth is getting awfully cheap, although I'm not ready to jump in yet, you know. So uh, I, I bought uh, a couple names with 35 4% dividend yields uh, recently. And um, I think those are names that you've got to pay close attention to because dividends prop stocks up, okay? Uh, so, you know, I think the big question is going forward uh, is, you know, what happens with the bond market? We're going to talk about that uh, later on the show. But, look, we are looking at the long-term chart on uh, the Dow Jones. And, you know, you have these major cyclical lows that develop every four years. You know, we had the first, you know, the one back in 2020. Uh, now, you know, we're in 2022, and it looks like we might be going to a new cyclical low. Um, so it happens once every four years. Now, you know, I go back to Rob Schleimer's comment about the head and shoulders top. If you don't know what that is, it's the top, then a higher top, then a lower top. And most of the volume occurs on the left-hand side, all right, uh, you know, the first the first uh, shoulder. Um, and the, the problem here <laughs> is that there isn't much volume and there's no buyers. The Fed has put buying on a hold. And by the way, if you heard, if you listened to Amazon's conference call, the buy-in and the retail level seems to be put on hold also. I know of several clients who were talking about, you know, hey, uh, they, they were, a young lady I talked to pretty regularly, she was going to, uh, uh, you know, she got a call from her favorite salesperson in a, at a store, and uh, she said, nah, I don't feel like it. Have you seen what's happened in the stock market? So I think a lot of purchases have been put on hold. I mean, you know, Amazon's numbers kind of put uh, prove that. So, um, look, we're at kind of critical levels here, um, you know, and I think it's important that, uh, you know, if you if you look at the S&P 500, there's a little bit of support going back uh, about two years. So we've got to hold this level. And uh, I think the positive is, is there's enough negatives that everybody's negative. Now, I don't know. Usually, when you have something like this, you do break to a new low just to scare the bejesus out of everybody. And Monday might be a tough day, okay? Uh, however, you know, when it comes to uh, pessimism, I think you got to, you know, look, everybody's out there, and I think what they're doing is doom scrolling, okay, on their phones. They're scrolling and looking for doom stories. You know, whether it's the latest political fiasco, uh, the ap- apocalyptic climate change, uh, inflation, you know, uh, Ukraine, whatever it is. But, you know, I-, I would suggest to all of you that you pick up Jerry- Jeremy Siegel's uh, book. Uh, he- he's, a, he's, he's head of finance department at Wharton. And he said, Stocks of the Long Run, the Definitive Guide to Financial Market Returns and Long-Term Investment Strategies. Look, Everybody is bearish. And and look, just think if you're a money manager for, let's say, Fidelity, you know, T. Rowe Price, BlackRock, whatever it may be. If you're pessimistic and you're wrong, your clients will have a sigh of relief. If you're optimistic and you're wrong, you're probably looking for a new job is what it comes down to. So, but, you know, it, uh, Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger, 
I've listened to them for years. You know, I, I bought Berkshire Hathaway for people in their IRAs back in 1980s. Just one share. Okay. And th- they're always positive. Now, there's times when they have more cash. Like right now, they have a lot of cash. You know, our friends at Marshfield, you know, who I use as a money manager sometimes, they, they have ten- tons of cash. And people were wondering what the heck they were doing last year. But, you know, when you're a deep value buyer, you can't find anything right now. So the question is, is 10-year yields peaking? Now, if you look at the RSI momentum, and if you don't know what that is, you should look it up. Uh, it looks like it's making, making a lower high, okay? And we're right where we are. You know, we're right at the secular downtrend line dating back 40, li- 40 years, all right, 40 years. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Remember, if you've got a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. You know, they, they say today we're supposed to have a solar eclipse. I don't know what time, but uh, it's just a partial solar eclipse, so it would be kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I was looking at a few things, and, and uh, first of all, I just got two questions uh, uh, emailed. One uh, was a gentleman asking about a couple small cap stocks, and I just don't think it's time to be doing that right now. And the other one was saying, Tim, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm ready to fail. That's okay. Um, you know, I just, I'll tell a story real quick. I had a client, um, and he was convinced back in 2015 and Hillary was leading the pack then. And and he was convinced that, uh, the market was going to zero. And so he sold everything. And I suggested that was a really bad idea. And I, I, I spent two and a half hours on the phone with him talking him out of it. Okay. Um, the stock market has risen 111% since then, by the way. And uh, I, talked, I, I talked to him about seven stocks that went up over 300%. Now, a couple of them declined a little bit more than I'd like to. It's still up 200% or 100%, okay? Uh, you know, pessimism doesn't do anybody any good. You know, realism is okay. <laughs> All right, but pessimism doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So anyway, look, Monday's decline uh, brought us right down to uh, the 50% retracement levels. Uh, and then the Treasury yields pushed higher to, you know, the TNX uh, rallied to uh, 3.25%, I think it was. Um, you know, we, we've had some serious losses in this uh, in this pullback, and uh, there's nothing we can do about it, I guess. We just sit and, and watch for a while, okay? So, uh, but now is the time to get the dividend growth portfolio out and the prime in- income list. Because what, you know, when you buy yield, when you're buying dividends and you're buying bonds, you do it when yields are up. Now, if you're buying bonds, I, you know, look, I, I think bonds have stopped, you know, you're, you're not going to get the capital gains on bonds anymore. You're going to get the coupon. Now, the two-year treasury went crazy, all right? So, you know, that's where you want to go, I think, you know, the two- to five-year area. And, and look, uh, you know, just start rolling those, all right, until we find, you know, if, if the yields continue to go up. Because there's, 
there's obviously something wrong if the 10 year did not hit a new high Friday. Okay. So everybody's worried, but it sounds like me, they're more worried about the economy. I mean, when you have a negative print on GDP, you only need two of those in a row, folks, and that's called a recession. All right. So uh, we did see, you know, we did see the NASDAQ, you know, it, it violated the uh, February, March lows. So um, then, the, and then that was on Tuesday. And then on Friday that the, the uh, S&P 500 did. And the problem once again is there is a lack of buyers. Okay. And so w- what do you do in this period like this? Well, first of all, watching is, is a good idea. <laughs> okay. But, Now's the time to be taking a look at high-quality dividend payers, all right, whether it's the prime income list, whether you need income right now, or you want, you know, growth and income, all right? Uh, that's another thing. Some of them, are, look, they're going to get beat up a little bit, okay? Uh, that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I've always said the best investments that you'll ever make is when your stomach's churning, Okay. Uh, you hate it during the period of time that you're doing it, but you know you're, you you got to remember that uh, hey, folks, uh, that's the way it works. All right, when you're nervous, uh, as long as you've done your homework, you're in pretty good shape. All right, so but we had a lot of the you know the Fang stocks which I talked about last week. You know uh, they all got beat up a little bit. All right, with the exception of Microsoft and Metaverse, and you know Metaverse had got beat up and I was surprised, you know, when they, they gapped it down, I was very, very surprised, but you know, Netflix got hit, um, you know, Facebook, Google, Amazon got beat up on Friday. So I think they're seeing, you know, Amazon kind of downplaying things and then the economy coming in at a, a, you know, a negative number and that kind of set people off and, and people were starting to get concerned. Okay. So, uh, it, it, it can be a a problem. (laughs) Uh, especially, uh, you know, we keep looking, a lot of people talking about this weekly, on a weekly chart of the S&P 500, this head and shoulders top. And remember, the problem is, is that we're still in a bull market, okay? We're still in this uptrend, but between the top line, which is now about 9% to, you know, we're down 9% from that top line to the, to the bottom line is 18%. All right. That's a, that can be a big problem. So this head and shoulders pattern still is, uh, it's good. Now, I, I read an article by Tom Bowley, and uh, Tom uh, Bowley, I'm sorry. Uh, he's a very good uh, technician, and what he does is he he looks at all his stocks and the relative strength, and you know sees what happened. But you know, quite frankly, I I, I looked at that for Freeport McMoran. Freeport McMoran was off a dollar from its high. Okay, now I bought some of that at five, and I bought some more at fourteen. You know, it was part of our Trump portfolio back then, and. By gosh, you know, there was no no signal, no heads up, nothing. And they had a great quarter. You know, they talked about costs going up at, just for like a second and a half in the in the uh, conference call, and they beat the stock up, you know. So um, so I, I think it's, uh, you know, interesting. Now, look, some of the earnings misses will probably become buying opportunities for the great companies out there, all right? And there's some really, really good companies that have missed by a penny or whatever it may be, and the market has overreacted. And so somewhere along here, once, you know, you don't have to be the first one in, but you watch them and, 
you know, say, hey, you know, should I or shouldn't I? You know, that type of thing. And I think that's going to be important. Um, look, I can tell you this. Um, if you look at the long-term participation levels, especially at retail, um, there is <laughs> not much going on, okay? So the people out there are stepping back. And, you know, with China now shutting things down, and I, I guess I is it because of COVID or is it because of, you know, food prices are up and they don't want any riots like Tiananmen Square, et cetera, uh, you know, you've got to – uh, got to be careful, okay? Now, you know, oil pulled back to the high 80s. I think that this might be a, a technical thing, uh, you know, because you're looking at, um, once again, you know, China shutting down for a while. Uh, Russia's out to lunch. Uh, now, there's all sorts of rumors about Russian oil being bought by other countries besides us for like $30 a barrel, and Saudi Arabia is upset, and that Saudi Arabia, you know, the rumor in Washington is won't take Biden's call. But so there's some there's some problems out there, and um, you know, but I think if you look, uh, you know, we had some uh, rays of light there last week, and and you know, Facebook rallying up twenty bucks uh, on earnings that weren't weren't as bad as everybody thought. Microsoft led the way, you know they. They pulled the market up by their bootstraps and, and took them took them further. So that was good, um, but you know I, I think you know you got you got Apple showing strength, but a lot, some of the other things aren't so, aren't doing so hot. So we what do we do? Well, look, we 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 went Thursday. We went right up to the resistance at forty three oh three and dropped like a brick. And uh, so for now, I mean, we got the bullish percents at thirty seven. You know, it's a long way. Like I said can be a long way down to below 30 uh, last week. So I think you got to be paying attention there. The other thing is your cash bogey. Um, I think you have to, you know, your cash position has got to be pretty big. I've got a lot of cash, uh, you know, via my Marshfield group, and I probably have 10 15% cash in most of my accounts. Um, however, you know, look, if you look at May, uh, the NASDAQ loss has exceeded 13%. That's the worst monthly loss since 2000, uh, 2008, I'm sorry. And um, I guess the key takeaways from May was investors continued to grapple kind of with a market where technology is very much out of favor. I mean, techmo- technology's uh, buy signals and just general fund scores are at the lowest we've seen since the bottom, three weeks uh, before the, the March 2009 all-time, you know, generational low. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, the market generals are slowly but surely falling by the wayside. Uh, you know, Google, Netflix, Amazon, Facebook got beat up a little bit more than I thought it was going to. And I guess the question is, is this stagflation? Are, are we back into the Jimmy Carter years? Uh, you know, you got some really fascinating cross currents with some poor negative GDP print this week. And the, cost, the, the employment cost index spiked to 1.4% versus they were expected 1.1%. So there's a, obviously a lack of clarity for investors regarding Fed policy, the, the Russian-Ukraine war, and the economy. So it's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, you got to worry about. So technically speaking, momentum, breath, 
remains subpar, but the oversold sentiment is extremely bearish, getting close to capitulation levels, but not there yet. So just remember, uh, you know, right now you got to be a little bit more careful. Well, we're going to come right back with the bullish percent. Uh, so stay tuned. If you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. Once again, uh, the if you go to my podcast, you go to WHK1420, go to local podcasts. On April 9th, we had Dane Toppage. So if you own a small business and you're looking to stuff more money away, hide it from the government a little bit more, he, he knows wealth. He knows health. Uh, I'm sorry. 401ks and retirement plans better than anybody. And what we could do is we could put to get together one for us, for you. Uh, and he's he's shown some ways to take a little bit more money out, you know, uh, and he's been pretty good at it. Uh, and and we can help you manage it. All right. So let let us know. Uh, it's it's about a half an hour. Uh, it's probably worth your while if you own a small business. The other thing is now is a time where if you don't have a wealth plan. You should, okay? Because if you follow the plan, the plan works, all right? Because everybody's been talking about the 60-40 plan for a long time, 60% equities, 40% bonds. You know, bonds got beat up more than stocks. This first first quarter of the year, bonds were down on a bigger percentage than stocks, all right? So 60-40 may be a problem going forward, especially if we're at the low of interest rates for a 40-year period. You might have a problem going forward, all right? So that's something to think about. And, uh, you know, we, we had Rich Matthews on. Uh, he did a great piece on the wealth plan. Uh, it, I think it was March 9th or no. Uh, it was the second uh, second uh, Saturday in March we had Rich on. So you might want to take a look at that and, and listen in. Uh, it's, you know, we can now do a wealth plan for uh, prospective clients, all right? So uh, my friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the uh, bullish percent, I, I was reading their stuff on Friday. And one of the things that's really interesting about all this stuff is there's one bull market that is really going crazy. That's the U.S. dollar. You know, the U.S. dollar is literally, if it breaks 103.5, it'll break a top, a triple top going back to 2017. And that's a pretty big move. So... You know, the, the problem with the dollar, and just so you know, is that, uh, you know, if it breaks out, it could be a problem for some of the commodities. Because, uh, you know, usually, you know, dollar commodities are bought in dollars because we're the reserve currency. So uh, that might be a, 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 a problem for them. And you might see some, you know, a dollar might, I mean, the gold might be wishy-washy. You know, copper might become wishy-washy just for a while. We'll see. The dollar is very overbought, though, so you want to be careful. Now, we always talk about the bullish percent on this show, and uh, you know, last, two weeks ago we talked about it going to a column of O's. That's when uh, you know when you're a column of O's, you know, point and figure charts just X and O's. Okay, so X is is a period of accumulation. O's is a period of uh, of 
risk. Let's just put it that way. And you'll find that uh, the risk, you know, the market action in, in the risk times, uh, markets go down a lot faster than they go up. That's simple. So the, the, the design of this was to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And so uh, some people who were protégés of Charles Dow decided to use the point and figure charts, which we, we still use today. So, you know, somebody said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy things based on X's and O's. That's your problem <laughs> because this stuff works, and that's as simple as that. Charting works, okay? Uh, now, fundamental analysis works too, and if you combine the two of them, usually you're in great shape. I read all our research, and we have good research. We have excellent research, and you add that to the charts, and things can get really interesting very quickly. So, uh, but the bullish percent, there's two key levels, 70 and 30, because it goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, remember, that's where we were last year. I kept talking about we went from 81 to 60, then we went from 76 to 60, 74 to 60. It kept going down, and then it broke 60, and all, you know what, broke loose, okay? So the point is, is we were very, very overbought last year. Now we're at 37, okay? We, we were down 10% week over week, uh, and we finished – you know, on Friday, I, I didn't get the final cut on Friday. I got the, the 11 o'clock cut, at the, and, and, and Dorsey's uh, system was down for a while. But we're at 37. All right. Now, I, as I said last week, going from 50 or going from 45 down to below 30 can be painful because you don't know how the, it's not a percentage drop. What we're looking at is the number of stocks that are on buy signals on a point and figure chart. And when they start to cascade on the downside you've got to be careful and that's where we are right now now the over-the-counter index is at 27 it was down six percent this last week and um, the world index fell into a column of rows also it's at 38 so the over-the-counter index uh, is the closest to the promised land shall we say but I think you got to wait on small caps because I've seen small caps go down to five before okay so you got to be a little bit more uh, careful and look we had a rough april and you know uh a, a rough able and, and last week was no different now we had a change in the dynamic asset level investing two weeks ago and that is commodities took over first place from domestic equities and us the other thing is the bogey check so domestic equities versus the money market fell into a column of o's all right which means you probably want to have a little bit more cash on hands uh now, international equities were third, but they were like 100 votes behind uh, domestic equities, and domestic equities were about 60 votes behind commodities. Then it goes fixed income, cash, and currencies. So it, it's, you know, we're, we're in a period where commodities are winning. All right, now, if inflation sticks around, we don't hit peak inflation soon, that's going to continue, in my humble opinion. Uh, and what may happen is we may have a pullback in commodities, and then they go they go forward. Remember, commodities from 2009 to 2020 were down almost 80 percent. And I'm not talking about all. The, I'm talking about the Commodity Research Bureau Index. If you've ever come into my office and had a conversation with me, I showed you that chart. I guarantee I showed you that chart because that was one thing Bob Dickey and I agreed on 100 percent. Bob's out there retired. I think he's probably fishing at this point. So, but the bogey check is a bit mixed here because there are times when the bogey check has prevented investors from further downside. 
but it's also been prone to head fakes. Okay, so you got to be a little bit more careful. Uh, and I think that you know, look, we came out in 2000, the end of 2007, and for most of 2008, I said cash would outperform the stock market. And I had, I don't know, some some people brought their accounts over to me. I never invested anything. I didn't charge them anything. I just, you know, didn't invest them. Okay. Uh, and then I had some people went to 100% cash. That's okay too. You know, things get things got, uh, you know, tough for a while there. Now the key was uh, when you hit the bottom. And by the way, we said on this show, uh, I think it was March 7th or March 9th. I can't of 2009. I think we're in generational low. Why was that? Number one, the bullish percent was at five. Very, very low number. Okay. That's where that's where it bottomed in 2020, by the way. And the number of bulls was minus 54. Okay. The, the bullish ratio. So it, that was one, that was the lowest I've seen. Even in 1987, it wasn't that low. All right. And, and, and <laughs> cash levels were at an extreme. And, you know, you could buy a bond. Uh, senior debt at that point at 11 percent, you know, for some really high quality companies. So that's, that was usually, you know, a, a good reason. But if you look at the dynamic asset level, asset level investing, our friends from Dorsey Wright in Virginia tell us about, basic materials jumped over energy this week. Isn't that interesting? So it goes basic materials, number one, energy, number two, financials, number three, real estate, number four, consumer non-cyclical, number five, and industrial, number six. They're all favored sectors. You get the green light on those. So you're going to want to be looking at those as, you know, whatever. Technology is now just a little bit ahead of healthcare. And healthcare and communication services, which was mostly Facebook, by the way, uh, were dead last. All right. So I guess, you know, would, you know, if I was going to look at things, basic materials, I'd start to look to overweight at energy on uh, any kind of pullback. I'd overweight real estate. You know, I bought some uh, REITs for prime income people, okay? And maybe it's time to buy some of them for growth, you know, dividend growth. And uh, I think they're improving, and consumer non-cyclical is improving too, all right? Uh, and that's that's retail, by the way. So uh, utilities, you know, kind of equal weight those, but, you know, we've been talking about those. They, they have made a big move, so you want to be careful. But I think technology is still weakening, so... Uh, international equities are really weakening, especially China. China looks, uh, you know, if you look at the uh, the fund score stuff that uh, Dorsey Wright does, uh, it's one of the lowest. I think it is the lowest fund score I've seen for China uh, since 2011 when they bottomed. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the overbought, oversold thing is not to the absolute bottom in China's case, but uh, it's I think there was two or three times in the, in the last few decades where we've been a little bit lower than that. Now, one of the things that happened this week was the Treasury, the 10-year Treasury Yield Index, the TNX, hit a new high at 3%, and then immediately turned around and went down to 2.7. Now, it finished the week at 2.8 or something like that, and I, I it would not break out again until about 3 again, I think. Uh, so... It'll be interesting to see. Remember, when yields go up, bond prices go down. All right. So if you're, you know, I still think the two and five year area, you know, where the yields have really gone up, uh, you know, the two year was like 10 basis points. Now it's almost 2%. Uh, 
right? You know, if you're rolling CDs, that might be a bet. You know, if you're if you're doing that, I got some clients that do it. Uh, we have a great CD selection, by the way. But if you look at the 30-year yield, it also fell to a sell signal on Monday too, uh, and then it reversed up in Wednesday's trading. So it's been a wild, wild time. But the five-year yield uh, made a significant decline from its recent highs. It remains on a buy signal. Okay, so the, I'm talking about the yield now, not the bond. So uh, it, it's a very difficult uh, scenario uh, with bonds in that we're very close to that downtrend line in the 10-year, going back 40 years on the yield. So for 40 years, yields have been going down, and you've been making money on capital gains on your bonds. If you break that, I don't think we'll be there much longer. So uh, most of the commodities have been negative for about four or five weeks. Uh, like I said, basic materials, energy, financials, real estate are the top four sectors. So uh, just remember that. And also, if you look at the Dow Jones uh, versus the real estate sector versus technology, it went to a buy signal. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Insiders. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, it's 216 Just tuned in, the Smart Investor Show, and uh, now we talk about insiders. So what we've done is we've started with strategy, a little economics, some general market stuff. Then we did some technical stuff. We talked about risk, and now we're moving to where the insiders are buying. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. The insiders have pulled back quite a bit, which, uh, you know, you don't like seeing that at a new low. Uh, I did notice that B. Riley, which is a brokerage firm, uh, bought $700,000 worth of their stock. And they also bought uh, a little bit of, you know, and uh, they've been buying these for a while now, okay? Uh, Alta Equipment Rental. Um, they bought about $700,000, $800,000 of that, too. Um, and they have been buying both of these for a while and in small pieces. And, uh, you know, you like when they keep buying, keep nibbling, keep nibbling. And I think it's phenomenal, but. I think the, the the key here is that uh, you like to see large purchases, okay? Because insiders know their companies a lot better than you do, a lot better than I do, for that matter. So I watch it, and then I uh, check the fundamentals by our, our analysts, because usually they're pretty smart, too. And uh, then I check the technicals. Remember, analysts are there to tell you who's the best member of their group or top three members of their group. They're not to, there to tell you, hey, the timing's perfect, okay? Because the market tells you when the timing's perfect. That's why we have technical analysis, all right? So we combine those two together. Um, and, and by the way, if you want to review your portfolio, you know, go to my, go to WHK1420, go to the local podcast down to my, uh, Smart Investor Show. It takes you directly to my webpage and just, you know, have a kit to contact me or email me or call me. I, I pick up the phone too. Now, um, Here's one that's interesting because Carvana has just got killed. I mean, it was a $180 stock. It's now 57 And at, first of all, he bought this at $80. Uh, 
and he, he bought $136 million worth of it, and it's the chief executive officer, uh, Ernie Garcia. And then he bought another 24000 uh, a couple days later. So, uh, you know, $160, 000, $160 million worth of stock is not chump change, okay? Uh, now, it may be with options because the options were at 80, maybe, you know, that's why he bought them. But he's down right away. <laughs> uh, stock's at 56 right now, so, you know, something's, something's a problem. Then there was another purchase, uh, Nakarta Biotech. And uh, they bought these, this at 15, and it's RA Capital Management, which is pretty smart money. They bought 2.2 million shares for $33 million. You like to see when stocks break out, you know, gap up, and people – you know, double their position because they now triple their position. Actually, they have now have 7.8 million shares. That's an interesting one. Also, George Simeon, who's uh, a director there, uh, bought nineteen twenty million dollars, and and he went from, uh, you know, I think he bought uh, oh, 1.3 million shares or something like that. So uh, we we had two people buying not only RA Capital Management but a director. I love seeing stuff like that. And then uh, Walter Bettinger, who's uh, the CEO of Schwab, took the recent sell-off to buy $4.2 million worth. Then he bought $2.5 million worth. And then he bought $1.8 million worth. Uh, and then he bought $662,000 worth. So I don't know what that total is. But, um, you know, I, I also saw a very smart investor on TV maybe one of the great investors of our time, his first name's Ron, talk about Schwab, okay? And he talked about three stocks that are getting killed, and uh, Schwab was one of them. So that's kind of interesting. We'll see what happens there. Um, also, uh, HashiCorp, which is a software corporation, uh, uh, the uh, director, Glenn Solomon, who's got a he's, – he's got an interesting background. You take a look. But he bought $3 million worth uh, of the stock, and – uh, that's a that's a name that I think we're looking into following, but we don't follow yet. So we'll see what happens there. And then uh, Groupon, uh, you know, Jan Barta has been buying the stock regularly. He bought another 1.3 million, another 1.3 million, uh, two different days last week. And I think that he's he's bought like 20 million dollars worth of stock. Uh, so Groupon continues to be an interesting one. And then we go to Warner Brothers, which just got uh, Discovery, which got hit pretty hard after AT&T spun it off. Uh, you know, they shut down their CNN. Uh, CNN was, was on uh, what we'll called the wired system. <laughs> they shut it down. CNN is losing some stuff. They're losing some steam, maybe. Um, and But the chief executive officer, uh, David Zavlov, he bought a million dollars worth. So uh, something to think about. And then we had a couple of smaller names, but these are interesting, I think, because of uh, they've been bought before. One is Catherine Lego. She's a director at Lamb Research. She bought $800,000 of stock back on April 26th. And then uh, also Spring Valley Acquisition, which is just cash. They had uh, one, of the, one of the founders, uh, a director, Bill Quinn, he bought uh, 670000 shares, uh, uh, dollars worth twice. And then... Um, Harry Sloan, this is a smart guy. He's a director at Lionsgate. And, you know, there's been a lot of Lionsgate people that have bought at 17 and 18 about two, three years ago. I mean, the millions of dollars worth. And uh, they're not given the entertainment stocks like the healthcare stocks. They're not giving them much uh, <laughs> uh, 
credits, shall we say, at this point. Uh, but he bought 50,000 shares of both the Lionsgate A and B. Uh, that's about $1.2 million with the stock. And then just a couple names. Oh, the Warner Brothers, we had the chief financial officer, uh, Gunnar Weidenfeld. Uh, he bought uh, $480,000 worth. And Rob Bennett, who's another director, bought uh, $460,000 worth. Um, and uh, also Jay Farmer at Rocket Mortgage continues to buy. He, last week he bought another $600,000 worth of stock. All right. So he, he's been buying for three weeks now. Um, you, you'd like to see that, uh, especially when the stock's hitting new lows, for these guys to step up and, and buy. I, I love when I see CEOs and CFOs. Uh, you know, that's that's important stuff. So, look, um, I continue to, to highlight this four-year cycle because I don't think it's the end of the world yet. But uh, the market did get quite overbought uh, last year. And, you know, I was looking back, and really the correction started right about the time of the inauguration. So I don't know what that means, but I'll, I'll leave that up to your imagination. Um, but, you know, we, it's important, I think, to uh, hold the Q1 lows, and we broke through it. And I was kind of worried about that. And, you know, we've got rising inflation. We've got a slowing economy. We've got Ukraine. And we've got the Federal Reserve looming, you know, the sword of democracies lying above us. And, uh, look, uh, you know, a break to a new low probably means we're going lower. Okay, so um, I don't think we've hit the bottom yet. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You know, and Friday indicated that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, part of Friday I was at a, a funeral of a very good friend of mine. And I think that, uh, it was, it, you know, it was a tough day to be out. But, uh you know, sometimes you got to be out, but the sentiment remains is is the one thing I, I keep looking at. Uh, minus forty three on the bullish on the bullish ratio is a pretty high number. I've seen it minus fifty four once, uh, but even two thousand two at the bottom it was only minus forty seven. All right, so we're getting pretty close to, you know, could be capitulation lows, and and I don't know what's gonna. You know, the question is, what is going to turn it? You know, will it be a softening by the Federal Reserve? Will, you know, Putin stepping out of Ukraine or something like that? Uh, I don't know. But the 10-year yield is starting to show some very early signs of pausing. And that might be it. If the, you know, if the, the bond markets are way ahead of the Fed, okay, they've been doing the work for the Fed. The Fed's been out to lunch, I think. Uh, so with with the, the dollar still an uptrend, it's hard for a lot of these commodities get, to continue their they're, uh, you know, they had a lot of momentum for a month there with Ukraine, and I think it'll be hard for them to continue. You know, if you look at oil, the weekly momentum, the tracking uh, a lot of multi-month shifts, uh, but it remains, you know, a little bit negative for the time being. So I think you still got to use this, you know, barbell approach. The bar should be your high-quality dividend payers, and you know, if you don't have them. You know, we're probably coming to a time where you want to be getting the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list because there will be a bottom. I just don't know where it starts, right? Um, I, I thought I was pretty bullish a week ago, and I think Friday, when you take out the low, you got to be worried, all right? So you got to be looking, though, at high-quality names with dividend growth uh, or higher dividends because they're, that's what will hold up. But we did have the four-month uh, – 
moving average break over the 13 month, which usually indicates that, you know, uh, that that's when I've seen the, the last of a sell-off. And I think you got to be really kind of careful, you know, on a daily basis, uh, the, the Dow Jones is in negative territory and the S and P is probably in negative territory as of Friday. Uh, unfortunately, Bonds aren't a good place to go either. And so that 60-40 portfolio, you know, that 40 is supposed to be your high safety money. You got killed in the, in the, in the first quarter. You're down 14, 15%. And that's, uh, that becomes the problem. So, you know, now's a good time to start thinking about a, a wealth plan. Okay. So Rich Matthews was on, I think it was March, the third, the second week in March. He was on, take 15 minutes, listen to it. If you've got to retire, you know, if you're running a small business and you, your retirement plan needs a checkup, you know, let, let's talk to Dane Topich together. And, uh, you know, Dane was on on April 9th, half-hour sessions, probably worth your while. Uh, they could do some really creative stuff, you know, and it lets you have less taxable income. The less taxable income you have, the less you pay the government, and the more you get to save, and your retirement becomes much more clear. So, Wealth plans, and by the way, if you're just a prospective client, we can now do a wealth plan for you, okay? Um, you know, so it's it's not just for our, our clients. I think it's a great idea. Um, we've been talking about this now for years now, all right? So in the meantime, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcasts down to Smart Investor Show, you can go to my webpage. We can talk, you know, get the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list our small cap ideas, large cap ideas. Uh, also, in the Insights tab, a uh, lot of good information there. And then under Bulletin Board is Rob Schleimer's Trend and Cycle. You re- I'd read that every week if I were you. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, Solar Eclipse comes pretty soon. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.